0: The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Well, we welcome you in to a Friday edition of the Bruce Hooley Show. Nice to have you with us. The president has landed at, uh, I think, Rickenbacker. And he is on his way to the big Intel groundbreaking ceremony, uh, which they're having out in Licking County. It is a day to claim credit for stuff you didn't do. And so, of course, Joe Biden was met at the airport by uh, a host of people who would like to glom on to the hard work of others who helped bring Intel here. Andrew Ginther, the mayor of Columbus, Uh, Sherrod Brown, the uh, mop-haired senator from the state of Ohio, but no Tim Ryan. No Tim Ryan on the tarmac. See, there are too many cameras when a president lands and comes down the steps of Air Force One and everybody's eager to have their picture taken with him. Everybody except Tim Ryan. Uh, Andrew Ginther's not running for anything. Sherrod Brown's not running for anything. Very safe for them to greet the president, Uh, and his historically low approval ratings and his historically high inflation rate. Uh, But no sign of Tim Ryan. Uh, But he will be there because you know, for the lies that Tim Ryan is telling, as the Democratic uh, Democratic Senate candidate from the state of Ohio, he has to suffer the pain of having his photo taken with Joe Biden in order to claim the credit for manufacturing jobs coming to the state of Ohio. Uh, Where was Tim Ryan last night? Well, he was back in the Mahoning Valley, and he was on local television, uh, facing a pretty decently done interview by the uh, local news anchor. I do not know her name, or I would give her credit. Uh, But it was pretty impressive uh, what she asked him and how she had facts and confronted him. Uh, Facts are... Not something Tim Ryan is too fond of. He likes half truths, but not truth. I'm going to play a couple of his answers last night, starting with his ridiculous assertion that he is not even campaigning as a moderate. Like, this is a guy who does not want to take a position on banning abortion at any point in a pregnancy, at no point in a pregnancy. He states like off the cuff, of course, we won't be terminating children at the end of a term. But he doesn't say I'm in favor of a policy that would outlaw abortion after X number of weeks. He won't take that position because, as I've told you before, if he takes that position, then his fundraising from the Democratic National Committee will dry up. And so he cannot take a public position about banning abortion after any particular period of time. So here's his comment about how he's campaigning. Again, he's extremely radical. He's voted with Joe Biden 100% of the time. He has not taken a position on banning abortion at any point. He has spent, 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 spent anytime Pelosi, Schumer, and Biden wanted to spend money, Tim Ryan was there, Yanking the wallets out of the pockets of the American taxpayer to give the government more to waste on green energy initiatives and other nonsense that will pay absolutely zero dividends relative to the cost. And he's running as the Democratic candidate for Senate in the state of Ohio, but he's not, according to himself, even a moderate Democrat. Listen to how he characterizes his own political position. Independent, really. Oh, let me try again, Tim. I had your microphone down. Sorry about that, pal. One more time. Well, I'm campaigning as an independent, really. I, you know, I've agreed... With, you know, Trump, for example, on China trade. I agreed with Trump on Mm -hmm. uh, renegotiating NAFTA, strong defense, Space Force, General Mattis, on those things. But I've also opposed, you know, Democratic presidents on really bad trade deals, along with Sherrod Brown. So I really want people to know is like, look, I ran against Nancy Pelosi. I've gotten Mm -hmm. fights with Bernie Sanders. I've taken on Democratic presidents on trade. And I've agreed with Republicans if I think it's good for Ohio. And that's my record. And that's what I'll bring to the United States Senate. I think people are tired of the Democrat-Republican thing. We've got to be Americans first and get this country back in order. Tired of the Democrat-Republican thing. Yeah. Well, you know, you might be right about that. But... Nobody has voted with Joe Biden more than Tim Ryan. Not even AOC. Uh, Let me read you a headline from the decidedly liberal Cincinnati Enquirer. The record is clear. Tim Ryan is no moderate. And the lead says, throughout his campaign for the open U.S. Senate seat in Ohio, Democratic Representative Tim Ryan has billed himself as an old school moderate who will stand up for working families, common sense policies, and traditional American values, Ohio values. But his actual voting record over nearly 20 years in Congress tells a far different story. And I've shared with you before the uh, myriad headlines out there about what a liar Tim Ryan is. Here's one from Newsweek. Don't fall for the makeover. Tim Ryan is a liberal Democrat. I've shared with you the analysis of 538.com, tracking Congress in the age of Trump. What is the typical score percentage of agreement with Donald Trump policies among Democratic congressmen. How often Tim Ryan votes in line with Trump's position? 16% of the time. How often Tim Ryan is expected to vote with Donald Trump, according to how other Democrats vote with Donald Trump? 37% of the time. He is 21% underwater on that. So every time this guy tells you that he's a Trump supporter, that he supports Trump's positions, that he thought Trump had good ideas, and I fought Nancy Pelosi, he is lying through his teeth. So he'll stand up there on that stage today, out in Licking County, on the official groundbreaking of Intel, and he'll claim credit for something he, and Joe Biden, by the way, had absolutely nothing to do with. Nothing to do with. Just ask yourself this question. Intel's going to build this monster Group of factories someplace in the United States, right? Someplace. They sent out a notification to governors, mayors, congresspeople. We are looking for a place to build a conglomeration of chip manufacturing plants. We need a lot of land. We want a lot of infrastructure agreements. We're going to want some government subsidies. Here's what we're looking for. Here are the specs. What do you got? Would you like to be a candidate? Now, ask yourself, if you're the president of the United States, all 50 of them, do you get to pick a side in that? Do you get to say, you know, uh, Intel, as the president of the United States, I really think licking County, Ohio is where you should go. Now you say, well, what's the risk? Oh, oh. The other people who are applying for that Intel factory are also people who vote for you. Would Joe Biden prioritize the Intel plant in a state that in the last two presidential elections has voted increasingly for the Republican presidential nominee? Or would Joe Biden more likely, if he had any role in where Intel decided to locate its big factory complex? Would Joe Biden be more apt, if he had any role at all in it, to say, you know, I think Illinois would be a great place for that. I think New York would be a great place for that. I think California would be a great place for that. I think New Jersey would be a great place for that. Any state that voted for him. Now, I know the risk is it's hard for Joe Biden to figure out which states will vote for him or his party again in 2024, given the way that Virginia voted for him in 2020 and then abandoned him a year later to vote. Glenn Youngkin is governor, so I get it. The point is, no president can pick favorites. Yet he's coming today to take a victory lap, and he's going to tell everybody about how this is indicative of the new technology and manufacturing jobs and industry has changed and union, 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 and we're creating, creating, creating all the talking points. I don't know if he'll get around to demonizing the MAGA Republicans today. Somehow Joe Biden's going to try to, with his limited physical dexterity today, to walk the tightrope of, I'm creating new jobs and investing in America, but don't pin that whole make America great thing on me again. We're, not, we're trying to do all this without making America great again. Now, we don't want to admit that America was ever great. If we're the Democratic Party, and we certainly don't want to make it great again. So, uh, hard hats, suits, and a bunch of guys slapping themselves on the back for something they had nothing to do with accomplishing. Today, that is the order of the day out in Licking County. So, if you are trying to get to that area, or you're trying to drive on 270 over by the airport, I would imagine that your day is going to be royally screwed up, just like your life. been royally screwed up ever since Joe Biden took office. Now, it's always dangerous when you let the inmates run the asylum. Columbus Police Chief Elaine Bryant has made a decision on something that is a demand of the people protesting the shooting death of Donovan Lewis. Uh, Unfortunately, very unfortunately, we didn't even have to wait one day to find out why this is such a dumb policy. Tomorrow will be the funeral for 20 year old Donovan Lewis, uh, who was shot in his apartment uh, shortly after midnight on August the 30th while Columbus police officers were attempting to serve a warrant for felony mishandling of a firearm, domestic violence against his pregnant girlfriend, and assault. Uh, The Family of Donovan Lewis and his attorney, Rex Elliott, have uh, spoken at numerous press conferences since that happened. And one of the things that they have suggested um, is that the Columbus police immediately stop serving warrants after dark. That they do not do it, you know, when the subject of the warrant might actually be home. And not be expecting police to show up at their house. Uh, and yesterday, Columbus Police Chief Elaine Bryant granted their request. Uh, in an internal memo issued uh, less than 90 minutes after Rex Elliott and the Lewis family held their press conference in front of Columbus City Call. Less than 90 minutes later... Elaine Bryant issued an internal memo to Columbus police saying that no pre-planned arrest warrants may be served by CPD at private residences between the hours of 11 p.m. and 6 a.m., including warrants for domestic violence or nonviolent felony warrants unless approved by a lieutenant or higher rank. So this is a classic case of the public establishing policy for police, which I guess shouldn't surprise me because we have a mayor who has given power to a police civilian oversight review board, power in excess of the power he is giving to a newly hired inspector general to oversee police conduct. So the police inspector general has a career in policing but the Civilian Oversight Review Board, a bunch of pastors and social justice warriors, just read their social media, it will prove so. They have authority over the inspector general. They who have no background in law enforcement. I I think, what here's what I would do. Of course, this is why I will never be elected chief of police in Columbus, Ohio. I would have the members of the Police Civilian Oversight Review Board go along with the cops when they serve warrants. I mean, what better way to exercise your oversight of the cops than to go along and have your two eyeballs on them while they're doing what they're doing? That would make sense. Wouldn't that make sense? I mean, if you're really invested in doing your job well on the Police Oversight Review Board, I would think you would want to do that. You would want to be out there. You would want to see it. Like, look, no camera, no body cam footage captures with the vast expanse and depth of field that your own vision gives you. And, and I might add, you know how you sit in a movie, a scary movie, and cognitively you know you're not in danger. There's no guy with a chainsaw coming after you while you're sitting there watching Saw or Freddy Krueger can't swing his knife blade and chop your head off. You know that. Cognitively you know that in the movie. But you're there. The mu- The music is ominous. The room is dark. You're into what you're watching. And you're frightened, right? But imagine if you really were in the room with Freddy Krueger. Like Then you'd be at a whole different level of terrified. You'd have an understanding and an empathy for how awful it must be to be stalked by someone who's trying to kill you or to be in a situation like these Columbus police officers were where they had no idea what was going on on the other side of the door in that room because they had been knocking on the exterior door of the apartment for 10 minutes and they had unleashed a police dog in the apartment barking loudly and aggressively for a few more minutes and still the bedroom door to Donovan Lewis's bedroom did not open. So I understand their level of angst. And here's another reason why I understand it. You see the headline last night out of Cobb County, Georgia? Two deputy sheriffs last night in Cobb County, Georgia, were serving a warrant for a non-violent crime. Uh, Do do we have to be worried about our safety here? No, we don't have to be worried about our safety. This guy's non-violent. There's nothing serious on his record at all. They show up to serve the warrant. They step out of their cruisers. Bang, bang. Two dead deputies dead deputies. Uh, here is uh, Cobb County Sheriff Craig Owens at a press conference last night. It is a sad night this evening for the citizens of Cobb County, as well as the Cobb County Sheriff's Office, and for law enforcement in home. Even more so is a night of heartache for two families from the Cobb Sheriff's Office. Two wives. Who has lost, who has lost, hazing husbands, hazing husbands. I am saddened to report this evening that the Cobb County Sheriff's Office has lost two young, bright deputies. They were killed in line of duty this evening while serving a warrant. These two deputies serve Cobb County with dignity and honor. Please pause with me for a second. As we recognize these two lost deputies. See, this is a headline to you. You may hear about it. You may not hear about it. You may know that last year in Kentucky, three officers were shot and killed while they were serving a warrant. You know who knows about all these? The guys who serve the warrants. The police officers who serve the warrants. When they are asked to serve a warrant, they know that it might be the last call they ever get. And you say, well, it's pretty melodramatic, Bruce. It doesn't happen very often. But it happens. It happens a lot more often than you would characterize it as a long shot for it to happen. You never know as a police officer because you're wearing a target on your back. You're wearing a uniform. You don't know who's out there to get you and who's not. So that in no way is a justification of what happened to Donovan Lewis, I don't know what the Bureau of Criminal Investigations Investigation will show. But what I have a great deal of understanding of is how the level of danger for a police officer is ratcheted up. When they are knocking on a door for 10 minutes and a guy doesn't come out and they release a dog inside and two other people in the apartment say they don't know if there's anybody in that room or not. How common is that in your house? Do you know who's home and who's not home? These two guys in the apartment that night said, oh, we don't know if he's home or not. So I understand why the officers were on edge that night, and I think it's plausible for everyone else to understand it too. And the element of surprise is one I would want in my corner if I were a cop.